Hello, and welcome to another episode of the How to Scale a Business podcast. My name is Hector Santhia Esteban, and I am one of your hosts. And today we are here with Prakash Rao, and we're going to talk about well, we're going to talk about setting yourselves apart from the competition because that's Prakash's business is he helps students to be able to get into the school of their dreams or their choice, but really helps them put their best foot forward in helping people learn and unlock that next level, right? To actually go from 1.0 to 2.0 as a student. Absolutely. So Prakash, all that to say, thanks for spending some time with us today. Thank you for the opportunity, Hector. You're doing such great work. I'll let you describe it a little bit better, but working with students, tutoring and training, helping them get to the next level, but then you're also doing it on the musical side as well. You're someone who's very deeply involved with helping this next generation to thrive and succeed. So fill us in on a little bit about your background and your history and how you got into that and then a little bit about what you're doing now as well. Well, how I got into that is very interesting because I didn't realize what I had. It's almost like having a gem which is more valuable than my entire tribe, as they used to say. The jewel which is more valuable than the tribe. I had that and I didn't realize its value until somebody actually brought it to my attention. So let me talk about that. I was an MBA student about 25 years ago. And at that time, my classmates actually were amazed at how quickly I picked up certain things. And I told them, this is the way I learn. And the way I learn is how I was taught to learn by my mother. So going back when I was a kid, when I was in fifth grade, I was actually a very good student. But when I changed schools and went to middle school, sixth grade, I had a little bit of difficulty adjusting to the new school. And that's when my mother, she had finished her undergrad in education and she was doing her master's in education. So she kind of looked at this and said, no, let's change the way you learn so that you can get better grades. So that's when she discovered a few things. She said, in general, education should be a perfect partnership between the student and the teacher. But what's happening right now is that the teachers are the active participants and the students are just passively receiving what's being thrown at them. So it's like trying to clap with one hand, which doesn't happen. And the other example she said was, you know, Imagine a farmer standing in the middle of a field and having a handful of seeds. And if the farmer just throws up the seeds into the air, some land on good soil, some just get blown in the wind. So we don't know how to make all of the seeds grow. But the farmer is smart. The farmer prepares the soil and then plants the seeds. So that's what we should be doing with education. She said we should prepare the children to learn and then teach them. And that's what she did with me. I was her guinea pig. She, she got her PhD out of working with me. And she also got an international teaching award for that. But in the meantime, what happened was I turned around, I became a much better student. And I finished my engineering, honors engineering program with what's called distinction in India, which is summa cum laude. So that is the transformation for me. And because of that, I became a lifelong learner. I could learn anything easily from then on. And I've used that in you know, so many ways. And now when I started working with my children, my oldest son is a triple major, physics, computer science, and mechanical engineering from Rutgers University. And my youngest son is a perfect 4.0 GPA grad from Rutgers also. And he's doing his PhD in MIT. So they learned to learn. This system worked. And then I wanted this to be a kind of a source of income for my mother. Unfortunately, she passed away. So after she passed away, I launched Turbo Learner because next to her, I'm probably the most qualified person to do this. I said, let me carry on her tradition, celebrate her achievements and walk in her footsteps, really. 
And that's what made me do what I'm doing. And I'm doing it with a lot of passion because I realize there's no one else who's doing this. That's one of the interesting things about what I do. If you look at tutors, they generally work on one subject at a time. If you look at learning centers, they kind of work on skill development through repetition. I'm the one who is working on framework and foundation and fundamentals of learning and helping children to really get to learn anything they want, anytime they want. And the two reasons why children don't learn to learn or don't get good grades in school, one is they don't really know how to learn effectively. And the other is that they don't have a consistent, repeatable process. They're just ad hoc. They are doing anything as they feel like, when they feel like. Whereas I'm an engineer, I put in the engineering into education. And I realized that by putting a system around learning, they become great learners. So this is my contribution to my mother's work. And that's what made this whole system what it is today. First off, I just want to honor, acknowledge you for doing that. It would be honorable in any respect to follow in your mom's footsteps and to carry on her work, but to do it in a space like education, I would imagine that you're not getting the praise and the showers of adulation and validation and gratuitiveness and wealth and lavishness thrown on you. So I want to do it for you <laughs> and you. say that you are, are doing incredibly important work and it's so honorable. I'm curious though, how most of our audience, I would imagine are not in, let's call it traditional school, right? Our traditional educational program. But most entrepreneurs are always learning. At least the best ones are always learning, even if it's just through their experiences because they have to. Are there differences? Do you see it as different if there is a 20-something, a 30-something, a 40-something-year-old entrepreneur executive who's trying to learn a new skill like leadership or time management or delegation or whatever it is? Is that any different than a student who's trying to learn physics or calculus? Talk to the similarities and maybe some of the differences there. Wow, that's a wonderful question, Hector. And you almost hit the most important point in this. So when children learn, they're learning towards getting grades. So there's an absolute measure in how they are progressing. They can see that they are improving their grades or they're taking less time to finish their homework and actually having a social life or being able to sleep. All of those things are measurable. When adults learn, there is no grades. Nobody gives them an A or a C or F. They just learn and then try to apply it. So that's the main difference between children learning and adults learning. So I look at it from three points of view. Children have, let's say, three motivations to learn. One is they ask the question, what is the minimum I can do and get away with it? Or they say, what can I do to achieve a B or something better than a B? Almost like an 80-20 rule that they can apply and learn that 20% which can get them through 80% of the time. Or the third reason they want to learn is they really like the subject and they want to get in deep onto that subject. So they have three, let's say, motivations, minimalist achievement and deep understanding. With adults, there is a fourth reason to learn, application. What can they learn that they can apply and get something out of it? They can achieve whatever they want to achieve. Let's say when you say leadership or time management, there are specific skills that they want to learn and use that skill, apply that skill. So they have an application orientation so that the motivation is different between children and adults. The process is the same. The way I look at it is we learn when we answer questions. We don't learn when you are just simply memorizing things. Memorizing is short term, maybe even long term, but you don't know how to apply it. If just memorizing it gets you to say that I have a hammer, everything I see in the world is a nail. So to be able to apply it, 
you have to know how to take it apart and put it back together. So when you ask questions, your mind is actively thinking. And when you're actively thinking, you're learning. So what does it mean to actively think? If you simply ask the four questions, who, what, where, when, these are fact-based questions. So that's merely retrieving the answers from your memory. That's not active thinking. But when you say why or how, that's when your brain gets engaged. Now, there's an old saying which says, tell me, I'll forget. Show me, I might remember. Involve me, I'll understand. So when you really put your mind into answering these questions, the how and why questions, and go deep into trying to take things apart and putting things back together, that's when you understand. And that's the process, that's the common process between learning, whether it's a child or an adult. But the motivation is different. Does it answer your question? Yeah, brilliantly. It's just interesting that you say that because I've always been that kid who was the 80-20 role, right? It was just like, what do I need to do to just get, you know, it wasn't get by because I knew if I just got by, that wasn't enough for my parents. But what was enough to just get by them, (laughs) you know? And it really was doing, unfortunately, the minimum that was necessary to get that But what was missing was the why or the reasoning or the application was missing or the purpose behind learning was not apparent to me. But all of a sudden, when I stopped going to school, I started reading more, right? Because I started learning about things that I was interested in or at least learning about things that I could apply that information to. How can you speak to an entrepreneur who they've got perhaps a lot of variables, right? They've got their problems that they've got to deal with, but then they've got to figure out what that problem is, but then they got to go find the answer. Then they've got to sift through all that info. Then they've got to translate that into some sort of habits or actions that actually make a difference. It seems like there's a lot of opportunities for something to go wrong. So how do you help increase the success rate to which someone can identify what they need to learn, go out, find the appropriate information, and then actually execute on the right kind of information. So there's an interesting way of thinking to get to that level. It's a framing of the question. See, you can answer anything if you ask the right questions in the right order. So if you ask the same questions in the wrong order, you don't think in the same way. Your your train of thoughts don't go in the same direction. So there's a way of framing your thoughts such that you ask the right questions in the right order. So the way to do that is stepping back. So imagine you can think visually. You can think of the whole problem as a canvas and try to start going around finding out, okay, what is the root cause? It's a huge tree. Let me find the root cause of all my problem. And you'll find that there's really, if you, it's called the cause-effect-cause rule. It was created by a person called Goldratt. The idea is that some of the things that we see as problems are not really problems. They are effects of other problems. If you're able to read back and try to find the root cause of most problems, just with one or two solutions, you can solve all your problems. So by doing root cause analysis, and root cause analysis is a way of thinking. The way of thinking is not just saying, why is this the problem? can say, what is causing this? Am I the person or is there an external factor or is there a kind of a feedback on something that I'm doing, which is creating this? So if I'm able to do some root cause analysis and find the ultimate problem, if we can find that problem, then all you're trying to do is solve that one problem, which will solve 20 problems for you. 
Yeah. One of my favorite books is called The One Thing. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. It was written by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. And that's what they talk about is identifying what you're calling is the root problem. They call it their one thing. It's the same thing. What is the thing that by solving this, everything else becomes easier or unimportant? And that's kind of what you're saying. Prakash, I don't always take notes on these interviews, but I've got over a page of notes already and it's only been 15 minutes. So I'm thoroughly indebted to you and in massive gratitude. But after we get back from break, I want to talk a little bit more about if I'm sitting on the other side of that, I'm saying, okay, but how? I've got so much stuff going on. I've got a huge to-do list. I've got all these things. How do I either fit it in? What's the 80-20 to squeezing in and learning the most, right? Like uh, perhaps we can talk about some of these hacks or habits or rituals that can, I don't know if accelerate is the right word, but effectuate maybe It's the word I'm coming with. So Prakash, we're going to get into that right after this quick break. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today. Today's episode is brought to you by Amplify Media, and we are a small group of genius makers. Well, we're a podcast production company, but if you have a mission, a message, a passion, a purpose, something that you want to get out to the world, but don't necessarily have the time or the tech skills to be able to do it, we can help. Go to amplifymedia.com, that's A-M-P-L-A-F-Y media.com, and you can find out how we can help, or you can check the show notes, and you can click the link there as well. But with that, let's get back to today's episode. Prakash, this all makes sense. And people are probably realizing that the way that they've been approaching learning things or the way that even schools have been telling us how to learn things has not necessarily been the most effective thing. And I know that there are people online who talk about speed reading and hacking your brain and learning a language in X amount of days and all these kinds of things. So I'm curious for you, when you look at those things that seem very hyped up or may seem impossible to some people, how do you approach these kinds of things? Are there habits, rituals, hacks, things that people can do to actually move the needle in learning in a more significant way than people realize? Absolutely. Some of those hacks that you talk about are really, they're true. They, you can work with them. For example, I have taken speed reading courses and the biggest difference that makes, I mean, it's just a simple thing that you wouldn't think about. And an ordinary person, when you read a word, it's supposed to take a quarter second to recognize a word. So you are probably reading four words a second, which is 240 words a minute. That's what you can read normally. But what most people do is they don't read linearly. They don't read in a straight line. They go back and forth. So their effective reading rate actually drops down to almost like 100 words a minute, which is very poor. But if you start applying some of those techniques, and there are some things you can do to make things go faster, you can really improve that. So when you compare with somebody else, let's say that a friend of yours is working with you, and both of you are trying to read a technical manual or something like that. And if one person takes 10 hours to read a book, and the other person is able to read that book in one hour, imagine the difference that makes. It gives you all that time. And then how do you memorize everything that you learn? There are techniques even in that, you know, note-taking techniques and memorizing at least mnemonics and hacks that you can do to make things much more concise, put everything down into a mind map or a visual, what's called a fishbone diagram or some kind of a note, visual note-taking technique. And by doing things like that, there are so many techniques that we can use for taking visual notes. So by doing all of that, you get to be able to shrink all the stuff that you learned. My 
youngest son did this actually with one of his subjects when he was in high school. He read the whole textbook and for each chapter, he made a mind map. So at the end of the session, at the end of the marking period, he didn't have to read the textbook again. He had to only read the mind map and he was good to go. So it brought down his revision time from hours to merely 45 minutes or so. So by doing that, you get to use your time more effectively. The other part of that is you talked about what else can we do in terms of time management or things like that. Most people, when they make a list of things to do for time management, the two things that they don't do is, one, they don't keep an estimate of how much time it would take to do that one task. And the other is, they kind of overfill their daily list and all they're doing is kind of moving things to the next day and the next day and the next day. And that kind of gives them the feeling, oh, time management doesn't work for me. But if you do these two things, one is estimate your tasks, how much time each task is going to take, and only put on your list for today as much as will fit today. So when you finish everything on your list, it makes you feel good. And the nice thing about that is success begets success. It's like having a dopamine rush. When you achieve something, you get that rush and you feel like rewarding yourself. And that dopamine rush actually gets you to go. Like the question people ask is, when should a salesman make another sale? It's immediately after the previous sale because that's when you have the rush. You have your mindset. You feel you can go out and do just about anything and can pull out a tree by its roots or something like that because it gives you that much of power. So when you finish things on your list and feel good about what you're doing, it gives you the rush to be able to take on something else. So you can achieve more by giving yourself, the way I say it is, under promise and slightly over deliver. So if you feel that you can achieve so much, even for yourself, under promise to yourself and slightly over deliver, that gives you that rush, puts you in that mode that you can go out and do as much as you can. Yeah, I get into that rut of pushing stuff to the next task and it piles up and it piles up. And and that feeling of accomplishment is not there because I'm not assigning the times to the task. So I think that's really valuable. And just as we're rounding out here, this has been a fantastic conversation, percussion. Like I said, selfishly, I'm so grateful for your insights and wisdom. When you think about tech or tools or websites or software or resources that you like to either use yourself or recommend with regards to this sort of stuff. Well, for time management, I've been a big fan of both the Franklin Covey method and David Allen's Getting Things Done. What I'm talking about in terms of education, my resource would be my website, turbolearner.com. In terms of other books, I recommend, I told you about this cause-effect-cause analysis. It's in a couple of books by Eliyahu Goldratt. So that's somebody I really recommend. I really look to Goldratt's wisdom in many things. And the last two things, one is there is a person called Edward de Bono, who's written a book called Lateral Thinking. And there are lots of people who say good things and bad things about lateral thinking. But I believe that lateral thinking is the best way to use your right brain. The right brain is very useful in getting to learn faster. And related to that is mind mapping. The person who created mind mapping and who's written a lot about mind mapping is a person called Tony Buzan. So I recommend these resources. These are great. Fantastic. And I know you offer and you work with students and parents to help them, I'd imagine, get through a lot of these challenges as kids of learning. And I imagine so much of it is systemic, right? They're not given the right systems and structure to kind of learn in. So you're able to help. Can you talk a little bit about what Turbo Learner does? And then I know that there's actually a free opportunity or an opportunity for someone to get some free insight. Sure. So 
two things. I do work with adults also on Turbo Learner. It's not just for children. I have worked with somebody who was 60 years old who wanted to retire and learn a new skill after retirement. And I've worked with adults who, having a break from education, wanted to get back into school and wanted to know how to best use their skills. So it's not only for children. Children need it most, especially because they are in a bit of a bind. As I always say, I'm not blaming the teachers, but I feel that their hands are tied because they have this curriculum and syllabus to complete within a certain amount of time. And the teachers are always evaluated as to how students perform in standardized tests. So it's very difficult for teachers to take the extra time to work with children to help them learn. So I'm not blaming them, but the system is such that most of what's happening in education is just pumping them with information. And it's like if they don't know how to learn, they are pretty much on their own. And that's what I'm trying to help with. So what does Turbo Learner do? Every child is different. Every child has a different way of thinking and therefore every child has a different way of learning. It's very unique. So what I do is I try to find out how they think. I cannot read their minds, but I can ask them a whole bunch of leading questions. And based on the answers to those questions, I figure out how they think. And based on that, now today we call it a database. 47 years ago, my mother had collected more than 100 learning techniques and methodologies and strategies. She just collected all of those papers. I still have them. So based on these learning factors, there are 17 learning factors. I sift through these 100 plus learning techniques and pick the right ones which would suit that child and build a customized learning process just for that child. By doing that, I know that it'll help that child learn. When I say child, I mean middle school and high school students. I know it'll help them learn much better. And then I actually coach them in using that particular technique and help them to accelerate their learning. This is what I do in Turbo Learner. It takes about eight weeks to give them this new process, this way of learning. It's like parents don't need tutors or learning centers to make them learn better. They only need to change the way they learn. And that's what I am. You know, when you have your iPhone or your computer, and it's the same computer, but it has an operating system upgrade, and that makes things go better. I think of my training as an OS upgrade for them for their learning. So that's what I do. And the special that I'm running right now until end of next month, until end of April, is that I'm giving them something for free. If they sign up, it's a limited number of seats. I have only 12 seats. But if they sign up on my website for a discovery session, I give their child a free evaluation based on, I mean, I'm not going to share that evaluation with them, but based on that evaluation, I'll give them five tips on how to improve their skills for free. This is a $1,000 value. And if they want to convert that and also make their child one of my students, so that I can teach them the whole thing all the way through. I take another $1,000 of the price. That is what I'm offering this for your listeners until the end of April. We appreciate that. And it's a very gracious offer. Prakash, my last question for you is, in your opinion, what is the secret to growing or scaling a business? So in my opinion, the best thing that you can have is a system for consistent and repeatable action. Anything that you can do in a consistent and repeatable manner If you can find that system and be systematic in whatever you do, sometimes it is boring. Sometimes you feel like, why am I doing this? But boring is good. I don't remember the general who said, shined shoes win wars. So you look at the discipline of shining your shoes, your discipline of doing everything. Because you're following the discipline, because you're doing things that you have to do, I'm trying to be creative. I'm trying to be very different in what I'm doing. At the same time, I'm following 
systems so that I don't have to think about those specific things. Those things happen automatically. And I only have to think of the new things that I have to come up with to make things grow. So if I have a system and I follow system very rigorously, then that sets the foundation and then I can grow from there. Yeah, that's a great point. That consistency allows for the creativity, allows for the evolution. All that stuff is built upon the consistency. Prakash, I've said it a number of times, but thank you for coming on, spending some time with us, dropping some great insights and wisdom. If you guys gained any value out of today, which I know you did, we would be forever grateful for a rating or review wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you know someone who's scaling a business or in the midst of that or thinking about starting a business, please send them this episode. And then implement at least one thing. I know I've got a whole page of notes here to go over, but implement at least one thing. Let us know how it goes. We want to hear about your successes. And as always, thanks for being a part of the tribe. We'll see you on the next one.